0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Navigating the Noise, a broadcast brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association. I'm Brian David Johnson. I'm your futurist and host for the broadcast. I'm the uh, engineer these days as well, so please forgive any kind of slight glitches in what we're doing. So, Welcome to this episode of Navigating the Noise. This is a, uh, an episode like we've never done before. This is actually a part two of uh, a Navigating the Noise episode. This is part two of our skill-building um, broadcast around sort of scenario planning and contingency planning and thinking about the future. Now, by no means do you, if you've happened upon this um, this episode, by no means do you have to stop and go back uh, because we're going to be just having a conversation in this with our our fabulous guests. But if you want to kind of go back, please know that this will kind of build off the previous episode around skill building, around scenario planning and uh, contingency planning. So welcome to this, this new format, this new way of doing things. As many of you know, here on Navigating the Noise, that's really our goal is to bring in guests both outside of the industry and in the industry who are doing really interesting work to help you, the viewer, Navigate the noise. How do you take what's going on? How do you apply it specifically to your work? What are the, the very specific things you can do? We always end with three things you can do. In this episode, we will end with three things to do to start preparing for tomorrow. Um, you know, this, this season is a kind of a special season in that you know, we're just recording as much as we can. How we're recording is different, and we're trying to address as many problems as we can from the very minute, our down and dirty episode where we look at cleaning supplies to our big innovation um, episodes that we have with our friend Steve Brown, a futurist. So this episode was special, though, because one of our our guests, Tracy Hayes, she's the founder and the president of CWS Corporate Housing. uh, We had a conversation, a very long conversation, actually, about the work that she and her team had been doing in the pandemic, really doing uh, Foresight really thinking about the future, doing contingency planning and doing planning. And so I asked her to come on, not only talk about what it's like to do contingency planning in this type of planning, and that's what we talked about in a previous episode, but I thought it would be fascinating for everybody just to hear what her and her team have been doing in this pandemic, to see how it's been playing out, what the effects have been. Um, and so that's really how we're going to start off the episode. We're going to do it completely differently. We've just asked Tracy to come on and just tell us a story, just tell us what she's been doing. I've got lots of questions because I've, I've heard this story and I might prompt Tracy as we're going through. I've warned her that I might prompt her. And then of course, we've got our, our second guest who is Robin Champ. She's a foresight and strategy expert. Um, she's uh, quite a legend in the federal foresight world, doing uh, foresight and futures work for uh, many, many different government agencies throughout her entire career. We're very fortunate to have her on today. And so after Tracy has kind of given us the, the stories about what she's experienced in this pandemic, then um, myself and Robin will have some questions and maybe some suggestions about not only what Tracy can do because Tracy's doing a great job, let's be clear, but also what, what other folks may, might be able to do, what you might be able to do. And then at the end, we'll talk also a little bit about the, the innovators forum. We've talked about this in, in other areas. We'll talk about this innovators forum and we've got, Tracy has actually agreed to be a part of it as well. So I think there's some really exciting things that we can do, but we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. So we're just going to kick it off, and we're going to dive right in. So Tracy, I'm going to I'm going to bring up and switch over and bring up your camera. Um, so thank you again, Tracy, for being on the show. We really really appreciate it. Um, can you just tell us what it's been like? What have What have you been going through in this pandemic? How has the contingency planning been paying off? Just tell us what it was like. Sure.
1: Well, you know, it was you hope that you plan and you built a business that you have a clear roadmap, but this was a time um, in our world where roadmaps really didn't apply. And so I think, you know, right at the beginning, we just had to acknowledge we didn't really know what the right next step was and acknowledge that we wanted to do something and that we were prepared to abandon our our plan if things shifted or as we learn more, we realize they were no longer appropriate. And I think what's unique in in corporate housing as an industry is there's a very technical side to it, um, very logistics, you know, I would almost say more than housing, sometimes we're a logistical company and people count on us for a critical need, which is housing. The other side is we deal with something that's just so personal, it's their housing, it's where they're living, it's where they go to sleep, it's where they have trusted us with their families and um, corporations have trusted us with their largest asset, which is their teams. And so how did we balance that during this time and be responsible, but also on our duty of care? And so, you know, one of the very first things was we called our bank and we, we really looked hard at what, what would happen to our business if it dropped 80 percent? What would it happen if we dropped 50 percent? What were, what did we need as far as resources? And then there was some programs out there that even as you were applying for it and you accepted it, you didn't know what the criteria were and how you would repay it, what would be forgiven. And so really having those conversations with your bank, you know, it's, it's scary to to call someone and say, this could be devastating. We know what's happened in the past when there's been the tech bubble or 9-11, but this is rapidly growing beyond that, and really just being honest and having a partner that could help you navigate through the small business program if you were eligible. But then, what did you need to do um, to make sure that you took advantage of it but that it would be forgiven? And one of the very first things we did is um, many people, this I think this industry is unique, is a group of competitors at different times, sometimes formally, sometimes informally, we just picked up the phone. Um, and had meetings and talked about what different people were doing and truly shared. It wasn't about, I I don't wanna give away my secret sauce. It was relying on people you trusted and letting them know what you were scared about and sharing what other people were doing and giving honest feedback. I think one of the um, negative consequences that could come out of this is as an industry, how are we viewed Um, with institutional investors of property management with large corporations so how do you balance you know for our clients for instance how do you balance when they said you know i've got two million dollars worth of business i've already committed to you we're no longer coming to your city and you've taken apartments on their behalf do you draw a line in the sand and say i'm sorry you have to pay for these do you maybe jeopardize the financial stability and longevity of your company And what we really learned is we just picked up the phone Um, in that first three weeks when this really happened, we had over $12 million with some with fortune 500 companies call us and say, these programs are canceled. And do you tell them you can't cancel? And then they say, you know what, maybe temporary housing is not an option. Maybe we'll go to uh, extended stays where we can have more flexible cancellation policies. Or do you meet them in the middle? do you have a policy across the board or do you treat each one separately and what we really found is we called those large companies and we said okay what does it look like are they postponed are they canceled do you think they'll be coming back next year because how we handle this might be different and we came up with the plan together and it's surprising i think when people hear that some of the largest companies in the world said what's the impact if we walk away from this even though legally we can some of the leases weren't signed and we shared that, the ripple effect. And, you know, I thought one of, the, one of the suppliers that's kind of an unsung hero in our industry is housekeeping services. So a lot of them are small, entrepreneurial, maybe sole proprietors that um, our industry holds them to very high standards, drug testing, background checks. If we completely cut them off overnight, when this opens back up, they may not be there. So we had those conversations with our clients, and surprisingly, the majority said we don't, we we don't want that to happen. What would it take for us to support you so that you can support some of these downstream suppliers? And they they stepped up in ways that is um, really probably unprecedented. But they it was taken the time to really understand what our decisions today, what that would mean. 30 days from now, 60 days from now, but also next summer when some of these very important integral programs like intern programs come back, which was their intention. So I think having those those conversations and then learning from each other, really being open to share your ideas and share your mistakes. Um, being on these calls with three or four competitors in different markets that have different perspectives, different environments, Some cities open back up pretty quickly. Some cities are still under lockdown. How have you been communicating to your team? So really just kind of, you know, there's that term guerrilla marketing, but just getting back to the most simple, non-technical, looking at the true root of consequences of of some of these decisions, and then being willing to share. Um, Looking out, not just for your company, but for the industry as a whole, because, if we if we have some negative impact out of this, it it is going to affect all of us as an industry. Um,
0: so I have a question on the people side. I, wanna, I, yeah. I remember from the what, from our conversation. So what, what I really like here again, Tracy, what what you've done is so in that sort of mid that sort of short term, mid term, long term. So in that short term, like you said, you number one, you went to the bank, like right? have those conversations, get that going. Number two, you started reaching out. You know, number three, you started talking to your suppliers, getting an understanding of suppliers. Can you can you talk a little bit more and and tell us about how you thought about because in that right, you did your your contingency planning with the bank. You did your contingency planning with your interconnectivity. You did your with your clients. You did your 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 planning with your suppliers. What about your employees? I know you did some work also thinking about your internal team as well. What did you do there?
1: Yeah, so our, we have 130 team members across the country and their, their jobs really vary. Some of them, you know, we still had to cut checks every day, but we have people that um, deliver furniture for us that go walk our apartments. Well, the cities were shut down and we couldn't do that. So for us, we made a, a commitment that we wanted to be on the other end of this with our 130 people. We didn't know if we could honor that, but right now here's our plan. So we described ways, that people could stay on our team. You know, um, we're not in the cool, sexy trend of we don't all work remote. We, we have physical offices, but that wasn't possible. So what does it look like when their home environment is not conducive to being successful? And we had to make exceptions and say, you know what? Typically we would say you can't have a, you know, four dogs and a newborn and maybe you live rural and you don't have good internet connection, but what could you do? So we took some of our resources to say, right now, while we don't know, and we were in a financial position to keep people, um, for the first 30 days, our, our goal was to keep people at 40 hours. And then we said, you know, you can use vacation and sick, and our goal is to keep you at 32 hours. And then that, that's had to shift by position, by um, by location. But what we did say is, during this time, what could we do as an organization to for you to still be engaged with us, um, one of the crazy kind of things we did is we signed everyone in our company for Dave Ramsey financial training, and we said one hour a week you can go online through the the portals and and improve, you know, learn something new. Some of our team members actually volunteered during this time that there was needs in the community that our skill set met, um, and it gave our team a purpose. It also allowed them, you know, they had real questions like, is my job secure? Or what if this doesn't get back in 30 days? And instead of staying silent and, uh, or given the most optimistic answer, we had to be positive. We, we don't know. And, you know, we had a lot of questions. If I go down part-time, can I file for claims? So we try to have resources, but we also try to empower people, do what's best for your family. Um, also, we had people who maybe had a different role. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we deal with the most intimate part of people, their homes. And we got a call from one of our clients, a technology company that said, listen, we've got a group of people in Austin that are visually impaired, and we're going to go ahead and evacuate. We're going to get them out of there. But the resources that, that we normally have for them aren't there. So we pulled our team members and said, you know, who, who could get to their apartment and help them pack up? who could make sure that they have the resources they need to get back to their home because their employer can no longer fulfill some of these responsibilities. And it was amazing how people stepped up and said, what do I need to do? I know you don't need need to go walk apartments because we don't have move ins, but what do you, what could I do right now during this downtime so that when we come back, we're, we're ready. So as far as the employees, budget, it was really just being honest, being open, um, we had a unique program where we realized that not everyone was impacted the same across the board. And one thing that we did is um, we used some of our resources, which was um, capital that we've saved over the years, and we allowed them to make a difference to others. So we said, people will be getting stimulus checks, but not everyone is impacted the same way. So if there is someone you want to help, with your stimulus check up to $1,200, we'll match it. We, we formed a committee that would review these submissions and it, it allowed some of our employees to pay maybe a preschool teacher who wasn't being paid because the school was closed or um, a hairdresser or a coworker. So we really just tried to use the same heart and resources that we had and allowed people to use that during this time. And it kept them, engaged in our company in a way and felt supported. So maybe they only had 32 hours of of pay, but at the same time, they were improving their family's financial literacy or helping the community or helping a family member that they loved and cared about. So it was a non-traditional way for us to stay connected as an organization and support each other when we didn't necessarily have guarantees in our traditional roles as employer
0: and team member. right? So and a lot of it. And so and I- the I, other I, thing, is, oh no, go ahead. So what I think is really interesting, I'm, I'm gonna bring us back to the gallery view because I know I have questions and I'm sure Robin has some, um, some things to ask. I'm gonna, to me, I'm fascinated by, in all that you were saying, so in all the planning, and certainly there's planning as we talked about and sort of thinking it through, but it seems like so much was about communication so much of, of mm-hmm. having that plan. And yeah, planning is good, but it really was about communication. And, and like you said, communicating internally inside of your kind of leadership team and kind of working through this, speaking with your, uh, your clients like actually calling them um, and actually sort of having those hard conversations about what it means, but also treating them as humans Right, that, that they understand that they're human beings as well and that they're understanding that there are, like you said, there are other human beings on the supply side that, that are there as well and even with your, um, even with your employees. Um, being able to kind of give them that this this moment. And this is one of the things that we've talked about elsewhere um, in the show around sort of taking advantage of this time. It seems like that's certainly what you and your team have done. It's sort of taken advantage of it to make people better, to make your organization better, to make your community better. But it seems like all throughout that is kind of communication. But I wanted to to give Robin a chance. So Robin, in in listening to uh, Tracy's story. Do you have any any questions or anything as as you sort of think about this as a foresight professional and seeing her kind of apply this type of thinking, uh, what have you been thinking about?
2: You know, the thing that really struck me was her emphasis on the stakeholders. And she never used the term stakeholders, but she talked about the banks and she talked about her competitors and she talked about her employees. And each one of these groups is a different type of stakeholder. And when we think about strategy and foresight and preparing for the future, we need to be thinking about all of our stakeholders. And there's a variety of different types of stakeholders. And only by listening to our stakeholders are we able to better plan for the future. Are we better, better able to explore the uncertainties in the future and then plan accordingly? So i um, just really impressed by uh, the, the focus on the stakeholders. And I just want to underscore how important that is. And, um, and I think the other thing that I would like to ask Tracy, and it would be a question for everyone, is how do you envision yourself in the future? So if you were, for instance, to pick up the newspaper here in DC, it's the Washington Post, I'm sure it's a different newspaper where you are, and <laughs> about your organization 10 years from now, what would you want that headline to, to read? And that's, that's the future we wanna get to. So Tracy, I'll I'll throw it out there, you're looking into the future, you pick up your hometown newspaper, what's that headline gonna be? I I
1: think
2: it would be what we take for
1: granted today was exceptional and out of the ordinary 10 years ago. So um, I, I think those of us that survive, right now there's this huge patience and understanding, but we see this in the hurricane. Our guests that are with us now are very understanding. They're living through it real time with us. But there's gonna be this ripple um, effect that's gonna stay in place for a while. And someone that arrives when we're not so sensitive and in tune with the condition today will not have patience with us when we can't deliver. So right now, you might not be able to get cable on any unit or internet because service techs are not going except for emergencies or work orders are not being completed. But the, our clients and our teams will be, become impatient once the newness of this wears off. So we should be spending our time right now circling around and thinking, if this is the status course, how do we deliver the same level of service with a different product and a different um, delivery mechanism six months from now or one year from now? We, we can't say it's out of our hands because the experience really has to change. So I, I, I would hope they would say, can you imagine 10 years ago, they didn't do it like this. And now we take it for granted because we have adapted and changed at with, from our client's view is it should be seamless. And I think kind of that deck analogy where on the top, it looks like you're just swimming, but underneath you're like pedaling, pedaling, pedaling right now, any extra energy, we need to be on innovating and changing how we deliver our product so that we're not judged by, this, by restrictions. Our, our clients don't say this experience was horrible because of restrictions that we're facing now, that we've, we've not, we're not waiting for those to come back. We're actually shifting how we do business so that whether or not they come back, we're still so relevant and a benefit.
0: And Tracy, I think your point there of, you know, understanding that there will be fatigue, that people will, you know, as we start to come out of this, there'll be phases and understanding and even thinking about that now, that as you were dealing with what you're dealing with today, certainly, but as you're starting to come back out, that you will be dealing with this. But I think even like going back to your communication, um, just always communicating with people, right? Always sort of having those conversations around the why and what's behind it, again, I think, you know, Robin, I really like how you called out the, the stakeholders. I think as we start to kind of think about how would you turn this into a process, right? So again, still, still trying to think about Tracy's textbook on this. Like what, what would that be, you know, thinking about that sort of short-term, mid-term, long-term, and then thinking about, all right, mapping your stakeholders as you move through that. You know, it's exactly what Tracy has done, right? She looked at her stakeholders. It was the bank. It was for her customers and clients. It was her suppliers, it was her employees and her team, it her broader ecosystem that she got together with. And, and I think it's, it's helpful to start mapping all that out. That's one of the big things when it comes to foresight and this type of thinking is really just methodically going through and doing it and dealing with it today, knowing that there's going to be uncertainty, but it gives you that head start. You know, you don't feel flat-footed. It gives you that head start. It's the thing that, you know, for myself as a futurist and, and what we try to do on navigating the noise is that as well. But I, I like this as an example of it's just being applied to a time that is incredibly, uh, is filled with incredible amount of unknowns, but still being able to kind of navigate through it. Um, I want to be, um, I want to start wrapping us up. I want to see, does anybody else have any questions? I, I want to see, you know, Tracy, did you have any questions for us? Uh, or Robin, did you have any other questions?
1: Yeah. I would love to know, we're in the weeds, this is our whole world, it's our whole ecosystem. From either of your viewpoint, what should we, we be worried about? Or is there something that we might be blind to from our, our framework?
0: I'll start on that, so, um I would never be so arrogant as to tell you how to do your business. This is something that we would never do. And again, we talk about this on the show and certainly for myself, anybody who's come to the, to the CHPA conferences knows that, um, I would never do that. You know, your business. So you as professionals know your business. Um, but the one thing I will tell you, um, and I can tell you with absolute certainty is you do have blind spots. Everybody does. It's not a bad thing. Um, there's a, there's a whole, um, study of thought showing us that we all have blind spots. Um, it's, it's, we're human. That's just what we have. All organizations have blind spots and it's not a weakness. It's simply a reality, right? It's just the way things are. And so the one thing that I would push you to do is to sit down with your team and to start asking what are those blind spots. That's the one thing that you can do is start getting kind of taking that same perspective that you had before, Tracy, where you had said, You get people who might have different points of view, who might come at this from different ways, and you actually actively try to look for blind spots. Um, You actively try to do it. And then the other part of that is you create a culture, much like we talked about in the previous episode on this, creating a culture of people who aren't afraid to speak up and say, I think there's a problem with this. I think there might be something here. Creating a culture inside of your team and in your broader ecosystem of people that if you, the moment you start to see a blind spot, the moment something comes up, you identify it very quickly. I liken it to the work that I've done with FEMA, right, around natural disasters that we know that natural disasters are going to happen, whether it be hurricanes or wildfires or earthquakes. We know they're going to happen. We just don't know when. And we don't know exactly where. We have a general idea, right? I live in the West where we're going to have uh, wildfires, probably not a lot of hurricanes, right? And when you so you can actually kind of have a general idea. That's that cone that, um, that, um, that Robin showed us early on, that cone of possibility. And then the next is to say, okay, well, we know it's going to happen. And you respond to it when it happens. You don't respond to it a month beforehand. You don't respond to it a month after. You actually respond to it the moment you start to see it. And Tracy, going back to what you had talked about, having a network of people that are looking and talking about this is incredibly important because you have a network of people who are sensing and kind of looking around. So that would be my thing to you, just to say, Know that you do have blind spots and it's natural for business and it's natural for humans and then sort of creating that culture around looking for them and, and talking about them. But Robin, I, I kind of pass it over to you. What, what do you think for, for Tracy and in the industry? What, what could they be thinking about that, that might be a little bit different?
2: So um, I agree with you. Culture is so important and it plays a bigger role than I think a lot of us give credit to. And there's an old saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you can have a great strategy, but if you don't have the culture behind it to implement it and a culture that's accepting of it, you're not going to get very far. And so um, I would just leave everyone with, you know, change happens, change will happen. And so you can sit around and wait for the future to happen to you, or you can take an active role in shaping the future. And I always promote, take an active role in shaping the future, thinking about it, being innovative, and think about where you wanna be and the steps you can take now to have a better future.
0: And I think that's a perfect way to transition us to our three things to do. That's great, Robin. So what we try to do here on Navigating the Noise is give you three things to do, three pragmatic things you can do today to start thinking about and preparing for the future. And that's what this episode, this two-parter, has been all, all about. And I've actually asked our guests to kind of prepare some as well, but I will start. Um, I've got a lot of them. I've got lots of notes, as many as you know, I take lots of notes when everybody's talking and we try to put a lot of those up on the, on the website when we go. You know, I wanna, I'll be really pragmatic. Oftentimes I like to go high level. I, I wanna draft off what both Tracy is doing and what Robin said, it's about stakeholders. It's really using that. I think that's a really effective way because as Tracy said, everybody here who's probably watching this is in the weeds. You are business leaders. You are doing a good job. You're getting through this and giving yourself that moment to sit back and just start thinking about, just write it down. Who are your stakeholders? Where are they? How are they linked to each other? Just getting an understanding because we all know that those stakeholders are the fabric of your business. They're the fabric of this industry and the ancillary industries that sit around. And I think having that map kind of goes back to what Tracy did right at the beginning of this pandemic. So she called the bank, right? Good call, right? It's about the money. Call the bank. So that's and that gives you that beginning of a roadmap to say who do you communicate with and who do you reach out to. So that would be my number one thing to do is map your stakeholders. Who are your stakeholders? So next I'm going to go to who wants to go next? I'll go to Tracy. Tracy, let's go to you. Wait, I'm going to unmute you. Yeah. <laughs> there we go.
1: Uh, I think the number one is just don't forget the people element of this. Whether it's our guests or our teams, to to be available for them and open and take that feedback honestly. Don't 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 be afraid to admit you're wrong and be vulnerable and ask for help. I think that's um, yeah. huge. And then be optimistic and realistic. Don't let your your optimistic side overshadow the need to come up with a contingency plan if things don't work the way you you. Model them to work.
0: Right. Those
1: are probably our two strongest.
0: So number one is map your stakeholders. Number two is um, don't forget the people, but also when it comes to yourself, be optimistic but have a plan. <laughs> I think that's a good. Everybody knows I'm an optimist and I'm a because we get to build our future. But have a plan when that uncertainty can kind of come in. So those are the first two. So Robin, what would your number three be? I'm
2: going to end with put your money where your mouth is. And if you, really, if you really want to change, I, think about what your operating budget is and take 10% of it, fence that money for innovation or doing something different. So take the first step, fence 10%, and invest it in something different for the future.
0: Wow, there you go. This from a, this from a seasoned foresight expert who has done this for, for many, many years, put your money where your mouth is. I like that, I like that idea, to be able to do that. And not only that, I'll add to that, Robin, it's not only the money, but also people's time, right? That idea, that 10%, which I know is exactly what you meant. So that is great, so so map your stakeholders, Don't forget the people and put your money where your mouth is. I like that. So those are your three things to do. Now, as we sort of go to the ending of the show, I want to also pause here and talk about the innovators forum. So we've talked about this on some previous shows. I'm going to keep up our grid view here for a moment as we go through and do this, is that um, we kind of felt at CHPA, we'd heard a lot of feedback from uh, listeners and fans of the show that everybody's in the weeds, as Tracy said, everybody's just trying to get through this. But if you're watching this show, there's a good chance that you're a change maker. You're an innovator. You're a leader who's really tasked yourself with making that change, right, with doing that. And you may not have a peer group. You may not have other people you can talk to because they're all busy. And certainly we all have not only professional but but personal things that we need to take care of. And we thought here at CHPA, we could provide that platform. We could provide that forum for like-minded folks like yourselves to get together and just talk. Just talk about what you're doing, hear what other people are doing, ask questions. It's kind of exactly what Tracy and her peer group are doing now in a way that she's been working through the pandemic. So I thought this was a great idea. We spoke with Marianne and the folks at CHPA. We're, we're gonna do it. We had some other folks who were gonna uh, be hosts and kind of talk about it. And Tracy has been very, very good to sign up. She's gonna be a part of the Innovators Forum. So go to the website and uh, you'll there'll be more information around where it's gonna be and when it's gonna be. And uh, we'll make sure as a part of the Navigating the Noise team that we're sending out that information, but, but stay tuned. If you'd really be interested in that, we wanna make sure that we've got a place for you to go and just really have those conversations. So Tracy, I want to thank you for doing that and thank you for being a part of the show. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And Robin, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for breaking all this down. We'll make sure, as I mentioned, to have all of Robin's materials up on the website so you can really get a better idea around foresight. But thank you again, Robin, for joining us here.
2: My pleasure, thank
0: you, BDJ. Okay, everybody. So I'm going to bring us to the ending of our broadcast. Um, So I want to thank you for joining us here on Navigating the Noise. It is a difficult time for many. Uh, We realize that Um, And that's really what we are here to do and what we're trying to do with this season is to bring as much information, to bring some of the amazing work that people like Tracy and Robin are doing and get them in front of you and give you some of the resources and that like the Innovators Forum to be able to have those conversations. And we really do mean it when we say, if you have any questions at all, if there's anything that you need to help you get through this time or even plan for the future, please reach out to us. Um, You can get us at um, our email address which is um, info at chpaonline.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at chpaonline, or you can visit the website where you can find all of this information and the additional information that we've mentioned. And we're at chpaonline.org. So thank you so much for listening to Navigating the Noise, a broadcast brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association. I'm your host and your futurist, Brian David Johnson, saying thank you so much for joining me. Please be safe, and we'll be talking to you soon. Take care.